Father, we thank you for the anointing. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your sons and daughters across the globe. Bless them, strengthen them. Thank you this morning that you're going to teach us how to look toward you, my God. Our eyes are fixed upon you, my God. And they, no one was put to shame. All of them were radiant. As for anyone that has been touched by COVID or any kind of uh, um, infirmity, we look to you this morning and we will live in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Glory be to God. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this morning. I am teaching this morning on the pride of Christ. The pride of Christ. If he, if he be the lion of the tribe of Judah, then we are the pride of Christ. We belong to him. Hallelujah. The reason why God gives you vision is so that you can look and so that you can live. Can somebody shout amen? That means uh, uh, just because there is a pandemic in the earth does not mean the vision is cancelled. <laughs> in fact, the vision only exists because God knew the crisis would come. Come on, somebody in the house of God. Are there sons and daughters that understands that we come alive because of the problem? Because Dan David cannot even get coming to his destiny because there is no problem. It is Goliath that gets David to rub his hands and say, my God, my season is here. Is there anybody understanding the power of vision? So no problem can arise in this world that heaven has or not already sent as a solution to address it and to solve it. That means there's a solution in the earth. There is somebody who's anointed with vision. There is somebody who God has prepared for this moment. Because for this reason, 1 John 3, 8, it says, For this purpose was the Son of Man made manifest, was to undo the work of the devil. Hallelujah. How do we know the vision that God has given you is from God? Because it truly comes alive in the crisis, because the vision is for an appointed time, Habakkuk says. So when you get into the vision with God, you know that God will prepare his man, he will prepare his woman, but it is for an appointed time, because it is only when the famine comes that Joseph is promoted, because the vision is for the crisis. The vision is for the crisis. And so without a vision, people perish. There's something about vision that injects hope in somebody's life in a time of despair. When everything around you seems dark, it is the light that shines in the darkness that God has injected in your heart that you must understand the power of vision. Hallelujah. There's a scripture that says, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. There is another Spanish version that says, where there is no vision, people are like wild, untamed horses. And the reason why God has given you a vision is because it brings stability in your life. Come on, somebody. People who have no vision are driven by circumstances. It tosses them to and fro. But when you get the vision, and I, this morning when I woke up, the Lord says, and we were having a discussion, myself and Pastor Z, and saying this morning that, People have underestimated the power of the vision that God has given. I am not talking about worldly vision. 
because all those wonderful motivational speakers that came to tell you of how to 10 steps to, to becoming a multimillionaire, all their books must be burnt because none of their things are standing. I am not talking about earthly vision. I am not talking about someone who, who just made up some stuff and, 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 and speaks about the greater inside of you and, and new age stuff. I'm not talking about that. Because when you get a vision from heaven, people that don't have vision are tossed to and fro. But anybody who gets a vision from above, vision settles you. Come on, somebody. Say, I'm settled. No matter what's going on around me, I am settled. Someone, my family's settled because vision is the key that's unlocking my destiny. Because when I get in on the vision with God, um, the vision, no matter what is going on around us, if you study Jesus' life and he comes out of a 40-day fast, the vision is now moving forward. It is the vision on the inside of him that gets him to assemble the, the 12 apostles. And he has a team moving with them. But yet at that time, the Roman Empire was at its strongest. It was most powerful at that time. But Jesus has got a vision, and Jesus has got a plan from heaven, and he says, for this reason, I've come. So he's walking in the midst of the vaccinations. He's walking in the midst of the COVID. And he's teaching us some things in the Roman Empire that we as sons and daughters can pick up this morning and understand that we are not going to hide somewhere. We're going to move with God. Is there anybody going to shout a good amen this morning in the house of God? This is not the time for you to be settled. This is not the time, I mean, to be, to be unsettled. This is not the, but it's also not the time for you to be passive because you are walking with a confidence this morning that you are in the vision with God. It takes three and a half years to train up these disciples. And then he releases them into the earth. Now remember, they're coming in 2,000 years ago. But it's also 4,000 years later. Because God had a plan with Adam and Eve. And 6,000 years later, here we are. But listen to the wisdom of God. Listen to the wisdom of God. That God can handpick people for over 6,000 years. And carry the message. I have a message from the Lord. He can raise up a people that in every generation, he's got to find somebody that's going to carry the vision and the message to a next generation. If he can do it for 6,000 years, then surely God has not canceled his assignment because there's COVID in the air. So when you understand the power of vision... When he released them, these disciples, into the earth, and he says, it's better that I go, that message from 12 apostles is carried throughout the generations. That right now we're sitting with, with such an understanding that, that no generation ever could have understood. The plan, the power, the person, the people of God. Can you put up that, those four major objectives of what we were targeting, right? So we were dealing with a strategy as one and during this fasting time. If you can put up that poster, it could be really great for us to see this. So there is the plan of God. So if you've got your board and you've divided it into four, the plan of God, top left, top right, the power of God, bottom left, is the person of God. Who's that? That's you. Because God is going to need somebody in the earth to actually capture the vision to understand the plan of God, to walk with the power of God, for what? 
to turn towards the people of God. Somebody's getting it this morning. God's got a plan. Many are the plans in a man's heart. You can have your own plans your whole life. And you can be frustrated. Why? Because it's the purposes of God that will prevail. It's the counsel of God that will stand. So, when you are coming into the kingdom of God, the number one thing is to align with the plan of God. Because God's plan is always going to come to pass. And you don't ask God to bless it because it's blessed already. But you operate with the power of God. When Jesus walks out of 40 days of fasting, He as God's man, for this reason the Son of Man was made manifest. How God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I hope somebody's getting it this morning. This is vital for your future, because when you understand the plan of God, and you understand the power of the Holy Ghost operating in you, you then become the instrument that God uses to set people free. You then become a friend with faith for someone else's destiny. Come on, somebody. And so when you know that God is working inside of you, that person becomes submitted to God. That person wakes up every morning with the vision on what, what's on God's heart. I don't make up my own idea. I don't want trying to do my own thing. I've got to see God's face every morning, every season, to align myself with the purposes and the will of God because there's a mandate for my life and I'm in the plan of God. Is somebody hearing me? So you, you then begin to operate and, you, and, and your life begins to impact people's lives because you are in the plan of God and, and the vision of God. And I think that we've underestimated the power of vision. I believe that people are frustrated and people are struggling with their own ideas because they've not submitted their lives. They're listening to great messages, but they're not submitted and committed to the plan and the will of God. It's, it's, the same like, it's the same like dating and then putting a ring on it. So Vanolia, you know that she's off limits because, because give, put the ring on it. She can't date anybody else because there's a ring on her finger. Come on, somebody. This is what it means to be committed. This is what it means to be submitted. When God saved me, this is why the Bible says many are called, few are chosen. Because God, I've watched God call people throughout the years in ministry, calling different leaders, calling different people. And they come here and it looks really good. But when you ask them to make a greater commitment and say you're actually chosen for this hour, put a ring on it. Somebody needs to hear me online this morning. You've been listening to the messages at Kingdom Life Embassy. The Lord is saying, put a ring on it. Make a commitment to the house of God. What? Get involved in the vision. Do not underestimate what God has done through this vision. I am telling you now because there's a price to pay for anybody that gets into the vision. I am ahead of myself this morning. Glory be to God. In every generation, God has called many a person. He's called many to be a part of his vision because if he can hold this thing together for 6,000 years, in this generation, he's not missed it. He needs still more people. He's calling people and some people don't even know it. Don't even know it. But there's a call of God. Why are you still online? Because God is calling you. To do what? To participate in this heavenly vision. Acts chapter 26 and verse 12. What is a heavenly vision? So, 12 apostles, Jesus appoints them, mandates them, says, go into all the world. When he leaves, 
there's this Roman soldier, this, this, this man by the name of Saul, a Hebrew of Hebrews that is persecuting the church. He has an encounter with God and his name is, and God changes his name from Saul to Paul to participate in his vision. So Paul has this encounter and they all knew Paul to be this one that persecutes the church. He was so educated. But God takes him and pulls him out of the world system, gives him an encounter with him. And now Paul is trying to explain this encounter. So he writes two-thirds of the New Testament. God calls him, puts him in the vision. We're preaching from his... He, he never walked with Jesus. He wasn't trained with the 12 apostles. But listen to this. So he is now explaining in, in, in Acts chapter 26. He says, While thus occupied as I journeyed to Damascus, he's giving his testimony. With authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king... So I'm on a mission to destroy the church. The priests have told me to do this out of the Jewish um, um, sector. It says, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun. Look at the vision. Shining around me and those who journeyed with me. There's always people going to be journeying with you in the vision. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You're coming against my vision. It's hard for you to kick against the goals. So I said, who are you, Lord? <laughs> so you don't know God and you don't know, but deep down inside of you, because God placed eternity in our hearts. He turns around and says, but who are you, Lord? What does Lord mean? Owner. And he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. What is vision? Vision is purpose in pictures. To make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which you, I will yet reveal to you. So I'm going to unfold your destiny as you walk with me. I'm going to show you your part in my vision. And I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. That is a commission. That is the order. That's the reason why when people speak about... Let me, let me explain. Let me read scripture. I'll get into this. To do what? I'm going to send you to Gentiles to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, listen to, listen to Paul's response. King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Someone say, Pastor Max was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Because there is something that happens to you when you are captured with a heavenly vision. Don't let the world come and, 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 and sell you vision and books on vision that had no encounter with heaven. Because a lot of what I'll explain to you this morning will help you understand that what many people call vision is just a lot of personal goals. It's got nothing to do with God. Hallelujah. 
And so he says, I declared this verse to Jerusalem. Bring me, bring me verse 24. Let's end on this one. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself, and much learning is driving you mad. Did you see what vision will do to you? The world will think you are mad. Because I have a dream. I have this vision. This thing that is pulling me and pulling the people with me. And many people are calling you crazy for fasting and praying. But what is going on? It's God calling you into the dream and into the vision that He has for your life. Hallelujah. So this is where we're speaking about many are called but few are chosen. Because it means I, I can become disobedient to the heavenly vision. Even though God is calling, I still say no. So many are called. Few have chosen to pick up the vision because vision is, if it was so easy, everybody would be doing it. We've made vision from God cheap. We've made this moment cheap. We sell it to everybody and tell people, ah, oh, great vision, the devil is a liar. The Lord reminded me this week how much he took us through, how much we had to go through, how much we sowed into this vision, how much we had to sacrifice for this vision. Stop making this thing cheap. Part of the working of the apostles is to capture from God a clear blueprint for the people as it pertains to the church or ministry. That's why you can't just follow anybody. You've got to ask them, where are you taking me? What does this message mean? I've been trying to do this the whole year already. In fact, even the whole year last year is to build you up in a way that you can be strong in the Lord and that you can run with the vision that God has got for your life. So what is then is a heavenly vision? Let's be clear. Well, it means exactly that. It's not an earthly vision. When we get a vision from God, it's not earthly. It's heavenly. That's why they are called the ascension gifts. Because he ascended and he gave gifts to men. So the gift that I receive as, a, as an apostle is that I capture what he's seeing, what he's saying. And I put it on paper. And he begins to show me what the future looks like. And he says, now take the people with you in that direction. It's not fleshly. It's not man-made. I've been having so many meetings with young pastors coming through and asking God about their future, what to do. And my question for them always is, why would you get involved in ministry? Why, what's, what's burdening you? I see you've got a great logo, and I see it really looks good on Facebook, but what are you burdened with? What did you see? What are you capturing for the people? And let me say this the same reason why we have a problem in the nations. Because you'll have one president that will build a wall. As soon as the next president walks in, he breaks down the wall. Our leaders in this nation don't have vision. That's why the people are perishing. Because they got programs, but they got no vision. We now got a program to make sure that we can tell you who's vaccinated and not. So you got the license because you are vaccinated. The devil is a liar. You can't even tell me that you're saving people. I'm ahead of myself. Because it is fleshly ideas. And many of those, the leaders are in politics not because of vision, but because of money and because of titles. And they got no idea of how to save the people. They, can we ask them what's the vision for this nation? 
Because just because a crisis came does not mean that we cancel the vision. You can tell me about your programs, but you can't tell me about your, about your vision. And so you, you, you're hoping that you can just, you know, you, you're concerned about the next election. Visions, visionaries are concerned about the next generation. What are we doing about the next generation? You don't care whether people live or die. You don't care whether the people, you know, here's, here's the deal. Okay, so, you know, you've, you've signed under this vaccination thing. You're 230 million rand, and so the vaccination program is going to come in place, right? Yet there is something called ivermectin that if you're saying, why would you cancel that? You, you're uncertain about the vaccine. If you're really here to save people's lives, wouldn't you say take a section of these people and, and feed them this ivermectin and let us compare the results of these people versus these people that have taken the vaccination. Don't you tell me that you care about people when you're enforcing people to, and now you give me a license and you want to give me like a driver's license? Let me get off. Hallelujah. Don't you tell me about where you got, I want to know where you got your vision from before you ask me to follow you. In the kingdom of God, anytime you put your head out to be a leader and you're going to lead people, you better have vision on you because the vision is going to determine the value system you hold. Hallelujah. Let me, let me, let me show you what, what, what heavenly vision is not. Genesis chapter 11 verse 1. Let me show you what most people are carrying. Don't call it the heavenly vision, because it's not. The whole, now, the whole earth had one language and one speech. Just because we speak the same language does not mean that we are doing anything. It came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinnah and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone. They had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves. There's your first problem. They said amongst themselves, God's not involved. Because heavenly vision means God is involved in your vision. Not let us make for us. Let us build us, ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Can you understand the problem with your vision? And some of you need to go back to the drawing board and go back to God this week. I'm going to show you at the end of this how to go before the Lord and speak to the Lord concerning your personal vision. Because some of you, what you're calling vision is not vision. It didn't come from the Lord. It was just some grand personal goals. This is what they had. Who stop is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. The vision doesn't make a name for you. You don't make yourself great. The, God says, I will make your name great. Lest we be scattered. Now listen to this. They are dealing with fear. They're not building by faith. It's all a problem. Lest we be scattered over the, the face of the whole earth. That the floods came with Noah. And these people are saying, no. Never again if a flood comes, will we actually be caught off guard. Let us build a tower that's going to go to the heavens so that when the floods, if it ever comes again, listen how the fear is in here. Someone shout, no fear here. You cannot build with fear. You build in faith. And they built towards the heavens. 
and they were concerned about the flood that God could send again. And many of the people, I mean, we're hearing reports of that they want to wipe out 90% of the people on the earth because they're afraid we're too many people in the earth. Are you kidding me? God says, be fruitful and multiply. My dad had 11, man. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Someone's going to get that release this morning in the name of Jesus. Aaron, I see you. I see you having another 10 in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I am only kidding. Relax. Calm down. Calm down. Hallelujah. Because when, when, when anytime, listen to this, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. It's just because we're speaking the same language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. And the Lord scattered them, and so they confused them, scattered them abroad, and they ceased building the city. This is the problem with vision. If the vision ends with you in your generation, it wasn't from God. Because when it comes to crisis time, vision that comes from God begins to accelerate. It blossoms. I mean, we're feeling the power of God on this vision like never before. Can somebody shout amen? Hallelujah, because a vision that comes from God needs God every single step of the way. A vision that comes from God brings glory to God and not to man. Somebody shout amen. A vision that comes from God always goes when it hits me. God's always got his eyes on someone else, the people. It's looking on the next block because for most people, this part of the vision doesn't exist inside of them because it is a personal thing that they want. And anytime it's about you personally, God's not a part of it. Because God is a generational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What he starts in Pastor Max is going to continue to, through Warren and Tasman and through all the spiritual sons around me. And it's going to continue to your children's children. Because he's that kind of God. Can somebody shout amen? If God could do it for 6,000 years, surely your children and grandchildren, he's got in mind this morning. Somebody shout amen. I heard pastors shouting for the grandchildren like never before. Hallelujah. Of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. So there's no end. As long as the earth remains, as long as Jesus hasn't come back yet, the vision that he put in this earth is going to, in the midst of protest, it will progress. So you can't be disobedient to a heavenly vision. Many are called, but few are chosen. Few have chosen to pick it up. I thought that it's everybody. No, I've watched people walk away from this thing and were disobedient when God spoke to them. Because it's tough laying your life down. So I spent an hour and a half with a friend of mine out in, and a partner of the ministry out in New Zealand this week. Called me up an hour and a half. We're speaking about the word. A friend with great faith. He released something that was like, oh my word, that's powerful. Listen to what he says. He says, salvation is free, but came at a high price. So Jesus goes and dies at the cross, and everybody that he speaks to, the benefit is for the people, and it's for free. Please hear me. It's really important that you understand this. 
Salvation is free, but it came at a high price. The kingdom is not free. It will cost you to seek it. Can I give you scripture? Because it's your father's good pleasure to give it to you. But you have to seek it. Because the vision is in the kingdom. Your life's purpose and destiny is found in the kingdom. It's not coming to church and gathering. It's finding your role in the kingdom of God. Can I give you scripture? Matthew 13, 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. Now look at how important this vision is. Don't cast your pearls before swine. When God is speaking about heavenly vision, you don't run out and tell everybody else because people will mock you. Which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Because your salvation is free, but the kingdom is not. If you want what's in the kingdom, it's going to cost you. It's a sacrifice. It is a time where you lay your life down, where God's going to make a demand on you because the kingdom has everything that you're looking for, but it's going to cost you. You're going to have to walk away from Abraham, leave your father's house, leave your mother's house, leave your country, leave that culture and come into the kingdom because in the kingdom of God is where your vision comes alive. Is where your life finds meaning. Is where your life, the purpose, your gift, all of it makes sense. Because it's not about coming to church. It's in the media center. It's in arts and entertainment. It's in education. So you get onto an assignment because you are part of a vision. And I want to thank the Lord for the vision of this house and all that God has done. Come on, clap your hands and thank the Lord for what He's done because everything that God asked me to do, when I said, Lord, Lord, listen to me, I'm going to help you. You keep me in business, I'm a businessman, and I'm going to do, then do this on the side. So weekends, I'll just preach for you. But leave me with my business. Here's what the Lord said to me. He says, son, what I have for you cannot be taken with one hand. You're going to need both hands. That means the enemy will wear you out in the world system and you come and give people some leftover message on a Sunday morning. Some leftovers you got from somewhere. And that is a real problem. Not only me, it was so heavy, this vision, that he told Pastor Z, you can't even go back to work anymore. You need to stand and pray for this man. Because vision, we make it so cheap. It costs us. Houses and cars and, and, and sowing of lands and, and, and going with God. Why do we make vision so cheap? Because people have not even tasted what it's like to carry a vision. You ask Paul when he's standing there calling him a madman. You ask him about, he says, I bear the marks of an apostle. You find out how they wanted to stone him. You find out how many times he was shipwrecked. You find out the fight that he had just to hold on to the word when God would have put him under house arrest for two years so he can just sit and write. If he didn't sit and write, it cost him. We would not be preaching this morning because in every generation, whoever's carrying the vision with God, it is a price that you must pay. Stop making the anointing so cheap. Verse 45. 
Matthew 13, 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and he bought it. There's a price to pay for the vision. It costs you. Why are we sharing vision with people that are, that are slothful, that are not interested? I'm not trying to beg people to do this. Because if Jesus only needed 12, and in fact at the time of the cross, there was only one that was standing there, and his mother. I mean, what a great ministry. We want to think that the thousand likes on Facebook is going to help. It needs sons to carry the vision. It needs people that will go beyond the dating of, of the church and come in to sing a song when it's comfortable for you. Oh, don't worry, I'm not sleeping, I'll see you later. The devil is a liar. There is a price to be paid for everything that we do. And I want those two that are in the kingdom of God that have been sowing their seed and have been praying so faithfully and giving so faithfully and laying their lives down. We want to applaud them this morning. Can somebody clap their hands and thank the Lord for others that are willing to carry the vision? Because Joseph had to pay a price. What's the price? The rejection of your brothers to a point where they want to kill you. Where Potiphar will come, his wife will come, and, and, and her desperation accuses him of, of, of rape and sits in a jail for two years, but wouldn't compromise. That's the cost, because he's carrying a vision. He looks up into the sky and he says, this is what I, the dream that I had is that the skies, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the stars in the sky. He shows them, he speaks about these 11, who was the stars in his dream? It was his brothers. Joseph is carrying it, but it's not for him, it's for his brothers. David had to pay a price. His father never even believed in him. Saul goes and chases him, wants to kill him. David is having to honor God and repent. It's the price of vision. Jesus paid the ultimate price. Mary had to pay a price. Paul paid the price. We make this so cheap. Like these men and women didn't lay their lives down. We make this about, you know, singing a few songs and, and that's it. And so you, there's a good word and we can just pray for you. And we make this vision so cheap. In every generation, anyone who wants to participate in his vision must be willing to pay the price. Hallelujah. Because when you get into the place of paying the price, it shifts your life from success to significance. Signific success is about you. Significance is about other people. Somebody say amen in this church. Hallelujah. Because anytime a vision, it's, it's given to one, but it's for the benefit of everyone else. It's a clear mental picture of a better tomorrow given by God. Because God saw the COVID crisis and He placed vision inside of apostles and, and real leaders. There are many of them in our nation and across the globe that are carrying a true word for this generation. But I'm telling you now, there are many prophets that have escaped the country, left the country, and, and go and sit quietly in their corner, not willing to face what they need to face because that vision never came from God. Because vision comes alive in the time of crisis. Hallelujah. Genesis 45 verse 4. 
Joseph finally, after 17 years, he gets revealed to the brothers. They did not even notice Joseph was carrying the dream. They in crisis. The famine has hit. They run and they go and find food. But Joseph is in charge. They thought he was dead. And Joseph begins to unveil himself to his brothers. Can I prophesy this over someone this morning? People don't, they won't even recognize you anymore. Because God has taken you through a process. Come on, Ronaldo. When God takes you through the process, when you come out on the other side, I know you knew me when I was in matric, and you called me Benji. But you can't call me that name anymore because you don't even recognize me anymore. I've been in the process with God. Can somebody shout amen? When God takes you through the process, even your brothers and your sisters won't recognize you because you are carrying something for the kingdom of God. I need somebody to shout with a better amen this morning because anytime God deals with you, the world does not even recognize you. Is there any vision barriers, bearers in this place? Are there any vision carriers in this place? People that have been pregnant. Uh, come on, Mary, where are you? You've been spending time with Elizabeth. Uh, you've been away from the crowd. That's part of the vision because rejection, hallelujah, it's part of God's redirection. When God wants to do a work inside of you, be okay with rejection because that's how God goes and works inside of you. Ask a pregnant woman. You won't find her just operating in the nightclub, drinking anything unless she is a wicked woman and smoking what she wants to smoke. She's not concerned about herself anymore. She's concerned about what she's carrying. Those are visionaries. Is there anybody hearing me today? I know you buy your yourself. No one else is fasting. Come on, Sharon. I know you've been praying all by yourself and nobody is seeing, but it's because you are pregnant on purpose. It's because you're carrying a heavenly vision. It doesn't come from man. You don't need to impress man. The fear of man is a snare. Let the devil go to hell. You are carrying what you're carrying and it's important for the kingdom of God. In every generation, God needs a Mary. In every generation, God needs a David. In every generation, God needs an Esther. In every generation, God needs a Joseph. In every generation, God needs an Elizabeth. In every generation, God needs a Paul. In every generation, God needs a Peter. In every generation, God needs another prophetess. In every generation, God is looking for somebody in this generation that will say yes to the Lord. Lord, that will not say, I'm done playing church. Shout back, I'm done playing church. I need to be a carrier of the glory of God. I need the anointing of God upon my life. I need the power of God because my children's lives are at stake. There's a next generation. Hallelujah. I know that God has got a plan. I know that His word cannot return void. Children of the next generation, you will not be left in bondage. Because there's a generation going to shout yes and amen. Why does God give you? Uh, Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. You're going to have to walk with the spirit of forgiveness, child of God. If you're going to carry vision, you must forgive them. Please forgive them for they know not what they do. But now, 
Do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. What does vision do? It preserves life. It doesn't send vaccinations to make money and control people. It's to preserve life. That's how I know governments have got no vision. For these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. Let me tell you today, don't you believe the lie. I want to say this. I want to say this. I want to say this. They say we're going back to normal. I'm telling you, I'm not trying to put fear inside of you. You better brace yourself. You better strap yourself into the kingdom of God. This thing's far from over. The fight's intense and it's going to intensify. The two more years, possibly 18 months, we no traveling. There's a big challenge coming. You might have to go and book local. Go to the oceans, go and walk there, go and put your feet in the oceans. But there are things that you're going to have to hold on in this next season. You're going to have to strap in as a child of God and you're going to have to look and live. You're going to have to put your eyes on Jesus because there are things that are coming. This thing's far from over. And you're going to, the church is going to have to wake up. We're going to have to get in on the vision that God has got. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Vision is given so that people do not perish. For where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation, people perish. Vision sets God in the center of your life. Hallelujah. Vision, this is really powerful. Please write this down. A heavenly vision induces a self-imposed discipline. I tell you what kept me saved throughout all this time is vision. Because if there was no vision, we are like, we have, we're like wild, untamed horses. It imposes discipline. I wake up in the morning. You know, on a Monday, I have to take a day off because there's so much happening in the week. I don't have time to move around. The demand is huge. So I have to take a day off. And I, and I purposely get off the phone and, and everything else because I, I reset things because the week is coming. It's a discipline. Not I like a day off. I have to take a day off. If I don't do that, my week is in trouble. I don't give you my best in the rest of the week. Hallelujah. So vision is for the discipline of everyone. I know where my money is going to. If you don't know yet what to do with your money, buy in on this vision. I got plenty to do with your money. Bring it. And everybody said... Tell the multimillionaires, your millions aren't enough. Bring, become a billionaire. I'll pray for you. As long as you're locked in on the vision, I pray for you. Vision, here's another one, is for the simplification of life. Vision simplifies my life. Why? I can wake up in the morning and someone can tell me, look, we're going to have this huge, you know, um, ten crusade and we, you know, we want you to come preach to the evangelist. I'm like, I'm not your man. Once they saved, bring them. I'll teach them systems and help them develop. 
because I know where I fit in. It simplifies my life. I say no to a whole lot of things. Nah, that's not for me. Nah, not for me. The thing that I have every morning, I wake up with the vision in my heart. It simplifies my life. Vision, here's another one, is the measure for your life. How do I measure the success for my life personally? Is how far the vision has gone. How many lives have been impacted? How many lives have been touched and changed? How many lives are meeting with me in heaven? Our impact on the ground. Here's another one. Vision is given so that your life would matter on earth. You'll be amazed if you are laying on the bed. Let me, let, me, let me tell you what the devil told me. So my wife is struggling. She's laying on the bed. And every night I'm up working with her. In the morning we're working with her. And I got a kist at home in my bedroom. And as I open up the kist, I would take the pillows that we've had for the day and I'd put it in this kist. And my wife is laying there and she's, she's not moving much. She's struggling. And as I open up the kiss, the devil says to me, that's how you're going to bury your wife. You know the, what the animal do with your mind if you don't deal with your mind? Man, after three, four days of this thing going, and I'm like, my God. Then the Lord said, why aren't you speaking about it? Why don't you speak back? So I said, here's the deal. So in the morning, I would get up. I would go to the kist in my bedroom, and I will take out the pillows and then pack them so that pastors, he can sit up and I could sit up. I open up the kist in the mornings and I say, devil, I'm going to fetch treasures of darkness, hidden treasures of secret places. I am drawing life out of this thing this morning. My wife is going to live and not die. My marriage is going to go from strength to strength. Is there anybody hearing me this morning? The devil stopped harassing me at night because I was harassing him in the morning. I started speaking words of life and I said, uh-uh, she will live and not die. Come on, somebody. You need to speak back to this devil. What was I doing? I said, no, we've got too much vision on the inside of us. What was I saying? I was saying that with long life, you will satisfy us. She can't go home until she is satisfied. And my wife, I can tell you today, I am not satisfied. You're not satisfied. We've got work to do. Is there anybody going to understand the power of vision? Vision will make you get up from where you are and say, No, I cannot be depressed. No, I cannot be sick. No, I cannot die right now. No, I cannot deal with this depression. No, i got to push back. Is there anybody going to understand the power of vision? Shout yes and amen. Your life matters in the earth. That's what the vision saying. Vision gives you a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. Some people just like, you know, I've done that course. No, I also did that course. They got all the degrees on the wall, but they can't tell you what their lives matter. A vision that is God's, that is from heaven, will ensure that God's name is glorified in all the earth. I see my time is running. A vision is the catalyst for change in your life. Anytime you connect with your life to a heavenly vision, there is movement. There's life. Your life matters. There's movement. Let me, let me read something for you. 
I want to wrap this thing up. I, I, I'm, I, I need to wrap it up. But I want to read something for you. It's going to bless you. The spirit of leadership from Dr. Miles Monroe. There once was a farmer who lived in this village and was also a herder of sheep. One day he took his sheep out to pasture and while they were grazing, he suddenly heard a strange noise coming from a patch of grass which first sounded like a kitten. Led by his curiosity, the old shepherd went to see what was the source of this insistent sound and to his surprise, he found a lone, shivering lion cub obviously separated from his family. His first, his first thought was the danger that he would be in if he stayed too close to the cub and his parents returned. So the old man quickly left the area and watched from a distance to see if the mother lion or the pack would return. However, after the sun began to set and there was still no activity to secure the lion cub, the shepherd decided that in his best judgment, and for the safety and survival of the lion cub, he would take him to his farmhouse and care for him. Over the next eight months, the shepherd hand-fed his, his cub with fresh milk and kept him warm, safe, and secure in the protective confines of the farmhouse. After the cub had grown into a playful, energetic ball of shiny muscle, he would take him out daily with the sheep to graze. The lion cub grew and the sheep with the sheep and became part of the herd. They accepted, accepted him as one of their own, and he acted like one of them. After 15 months had passed, the little cub had become an adolescent lion, but he acted, he sounded, responded, and behaved just like one of the sheep. In essence, the lion had become a sheep by association. Who are you hanging out with? He had lost himself and, become, and became one of them. One hot day, four years later, the shepherd sat on a rock taking refuge in the slight shade of a leafless tree. He watched over his flock as they waded into the quiet, flowing water of a river to drink. The lion, who thought he was a sheep, followed them into the water to drink. Suddenly, just across the river, there appeared out of the thick jungle bush a large beast that the lion cub had never seen before. The sheep panicked, and as if in under the spell of a survival instinct, leaped out of the water and dashed toward the direction of the farm. They never stopped until they all were all huddled safely behind the fence of the pen. Strangely, the lion cub, which was now a, a grown lion, was also huddled with them, stricken with fear. While the sheep scrambled for safety of the farm, the beast made a sound that seemed to shake the forest. When he lifted his head above the tall grass, the shepherd could see that he held in his blood-drenched mouth the lifeless body of a lamb from the flock. The man knew that danger had returned to his part of the forest. Seven days passed without a further incident. And then while the flock grazed, the young lion went down to the water to river to drink. As he bent over the water, he suddenly panicked and ran wildly toward the farmhouse for safety. The sheep did not run and wondered why he had. While the lion wondered why the sheep had not run since, he had seen the beast again. After a while, the young lion went slowly back to the flock, and then he went to the water to drink again. Once more, he saw the beast and froze in panic. It was his own reflection in the water. While he tried to understand what he was seeing, suddenly the beast appeared out of the jungle again. The flock dashed with breakneck speed toward the farmhouse, but before the young lion could move, the beast stepped into the water toward him and made that deafening sound that filled the forest. For a moment, the young lion felt that his life was about to end. 
he realized that he saw not just one beast, but two. One in the water and one before him. His head was spinning with confusion as the beast came to within 10 feet of him and growled at him face to face with frightening power in a way that, said to, that seemed to say to him, try it and come follow me. As fear gripped the young lion, he decided to appease the beast and make the same sound. However, the only noise that came from his gaping jaws was the sound of a sheep. The beast responded to an even louder burst that seemed to say, try it again. After seven or eight attempts, the young lion suddenly heard himself make the same sound as the beast. He also felt stirrings in his body and feelings that he had never known before. It was as if he was experiencing a total transformation in mind, body, and spirit. That's what many of you are feeling. Suddenly, there stood in the river of life two beasts growling at and to each other. Then the shepherd saw something he would never forget. As the beastly sounds filled the forest for miles around, the beast, the big beast stopped, turned his back on the young lion, and started toward the forest. Then he paused, looked at the young lion one more time, and growled as if to say, Are you coming? The young lion knew that what the gesture meant and suddenly re realized that his day of decision had arrived. That's where many are called, but few are chosen. The day he would have to choose whether he would continue his life as a sheep or to be the self he had discovered. He knew that to become his true self, he would have to give up the safe secure, predictable, and simple life of the farm and enter the frightening, wild, untamed, unpredictable, dangerous life of the jungle. It was the day to become true to himself and to leave the false image of another life behind. It was an invitation to a sheep to become the king of the jungle. Most importantly, it was an invitation for the body of a lion to possess the spirit of a lion. After looking back and forth at the farm and the jungle a few times, the young lion turned his back on the farm and sheep with whom he had lived for years, and he followed the beast into the forest to become who he, was all, who he, who he always had been, a lion king. I've been preaching to you, and I've been asking you to leave the confines of the church because the church has domesticated you. You were made for the wild. You were made to go and operate as who God intended you to be. And it's found in the kingdom of God. It's called vision. It's, you must remember something. If you can play that clip for me. A lion does not go hunting for sports. A lion goes hunting because they're hungry. They don't get up just because. No, we move because there's vision. We move because there's mentors. There are children that are watching us. If you can play that clip this morning, that'll be wonderful. I want you to see this.
when God is calling us, there's the next generation looking at us and finding out how do we deal with this COVID crisis. What are we going to do that our next generation would not be left in bondage? It needs vision. If you've not been part of this vision or a part of a vision somewhere, you've got to get plugged in. If you've never ever tasted the blood, I am talking about the victory that comes with being in the kingdom of God. It's time that you get moving with God. Stop acting like a sheep when deep down inside of you, you know that you're a lion. Where you know deep down inside of you, you were born for a time such as this. We cannot build the kingdom with anyone who still craves an attention, the attention from the village. It's time that you pay attention and get your focus back. Get your focus back. I told you I'm going to give you an answer. So what do I do, Pastor, at this point? Here's a solution. Please go with me to Psalms 139. I'm on verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. This is your prayer this, this week. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. Listen to the Lord speaking to you. He locked inside of you the solution for this generation. Stop minimizing your life and the vision that God has given. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Listen to this. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, somebody type in there, in God's book, listen to what he says. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me. The Message Bible. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You are breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared. That means your today. What day is it today? 20? 24th. Today's day for your life is in the Bible. Your today. As long as you're alive, it's in the book. I spoke to Dion this week, and the Lord gave me word for him. The man was strained up. There's a word that's around him in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 12 that says money is a defense and wisdom is a defense. That God's going to use him to build fences around ministries, to go and build people's lives. Because the truth is, many pastors have died for only two reasons. One is that they lacked understanding, or two, they had no money. Because money is a defense. 
So to teach people how to function with finances and to function in the kingdom of God, that's part of the vision. We need the people to train people about how to deal with finances, including pastors. Because it's just a transaction. 50,000 rand could have saved pastors. But show me the people in the body of Christ that could give them 50,000. Are you hearing me, business people? It's part of the vision that you can't transfer 10,000, 50,000, 100,000 and saying, this is for my pastor. Make sure he gets out of, out, of, out of that hospital. Give him the right medication. If it's a ventilator, okay, then get him a ventilator for home. Get him a private hospital. We couldn't do that. Because the people in the vision are not understanding how important their lives are, their money, their time in the vision. The vision was to save lives. Where are you kingdom people? Where are the kingdom financiers? Stop dating the kingdom. Kingdom business is big business. And God is calling you to come and pay attention to what's happening in the kingdom. He's calling many of them. Like the rich young ruler who had all the money. And Jesus says, take of your money and give it into my vision. Give it to the poor. Sell what you have, give to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. He called him. He refused God. Because anytime God cannot direct your giving, you are not in his kingdom. The purpose of coming into the vision is that God must direct my thinking in the morning, my giving in the morning, my worship, my time. He's bought me. I form part of the pride of Christ. Are you hearing me, child of God? Stop messing around with this thing. Because if we had kingdom financiers, I am telling you, many of our pastors, it should have been, this pastor is sick. Make sure that he gets proper treatment. Send the emergency to his house. Make sure that everything that he needs, isolate him. Bring him into a special hotel. Book out the hotel. Put them in the hotel. Get private nurses. Put them in there and get it done for the kingdom of God. What's the problem? Is because there are people that are dancing around the kingdom of God, dating the kingdom and not engaged and married to the kingdom. God must be able to can direct all your giving. All your waking up. That's what vision does. So ask yourself again, are you really in the vision? Ask yourself, are you really sold out for the kingdom of God? When God says, there's the, there's the, 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 the elephant. There's the bull. And we're all attacking the bull, not one another. We're roaring against the enemy. And it must come with money. It must come with education. It must come with the medical field. It must come with arts and entertainment. It must come with the media centers. It must come with government. Is there anybody hearing that the kingdom is calling you? The kingdom is calling you. This thing should have been kicked a long time ago. When I sat with my doctor, he says two things, son. One is that there's a lack of understanding. Two is that the people don't have money. But we can solve this thing. 
I know you got your confession. I know you got your praise and worship. But it is at this point in the vision where the medical field steps up, Gary, and you walk with the answer and you say, here's the solution. Nobody's going to die before their time. Come on, somebody. And the business people send the money and saying, we've got these three people that have got COVID. Make sure they get the water. Make sure they get the nutrients. Make sure they get understanding. Make sure they got all the equipment because the vision is for an appointed time. Where is the pride of Christ. I need somebody to shout yes. Stop acting like a sheep. You've been called into the wild. You've been called to take your rightful place. The Lord's going to help us. The Lord's going to help us. How long are we going to allow the enemy into our territory? A, A lion will never let you come and hang around there. Once he's marked his territory, what's the Lord's territory? The earth is the Lord's. It's fullness. The world and those who dwell in it. So no devil can go and have his way while the righteous are here. Because we've got vision. I'm preaching louder and harder than I should be. But I need the church to wake up. I need the kingdom to come alive. And understand that this is not a game anymore. Stop playing this game. The vision is for an appointed time. Father, I pray, lift your hands right now. Father, I pray for anyone under the sound of my voice. That they will hear the call. That they will hear the call of God. Please hear me, child of God. Sow your money. Sow your time. Give your gift. Bring it. Every gift is needed. Everyone is anointed. Bring yours to the table. Let the vision come alive on the inside of you. Father, I pray that you anoint everyone. I pray that you'll draw people from the north, south, east, and west. I pray for sons and daughters all across the globe that they will play their part in the vision. Father, help us to do what is right for the next generation. Help us to be bold in our prayers. Help the financiers to break out of that limitation going beyond us for and no more. Break the spirit of greed and selfishness and preservation. We attach to the vision. I pray for a fresh anointing. Break this yoke. Cause the sons and daughters to come alive in the vision. Let everyone find their rightful place as we attack this. As the next generation is watching us do what you've called us to do. Bless your people. Bless them in their giving. If you're not saved, you must be born again. Otherwise, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I pray you get saved. If you need more, ask. The team will get a hold of you. We've been getting inbox messages. We will pray with you. We'll pray there for you. We'll be here for you. Let me end. As a young man, I'm in business. I have a call center. I'm I'm working in a call center, but I have my own. And I'm running business. And the last contract I got, I heard the Lord was telling me that we're going to end this call center. God is putting an end to my life around the way it was. And He was calling me out of being a sheep to become a lion in His kingdom. To form part of the pride of Christ. And when the check came in, I had a plan of how I was going to lay out pay these salaries, pay this, pay my house, I'm behind with this, I'm behind. I had a plan in my heart 
two o'clock in the morning, the Lord woke me up. He said, son, that money is not yours. I allowed that contract to come through and the finance to come in because I want you to give X amount of money to Crypto Dollar Ministries. More than half. I think it was half. I said, I woke my wife up. I said, that's what the Lord is saying. I had a plan. But God needed me to put some seed in the ground. I knew that if I left this thing beyond 8 o'clock that morning, I would speak myself out of it. But I knew it was destiny calling. Got up early that morning with a checkbook, went to Crefford Dollar Ministries, I sowed the seed, walked out crying. Because I have a need and I know Crefford Dollar's got jets. You don't need this money. The money wasn't for Creflo, it was for me. Because my seed was unlocking my destiny. Is somebody hearing me today? Because how can God give you your own if you can't sow into another man's? God was unlocking my destiny by my seed. Please hear me today. Stop messing around with the kingdom. How many of you don't know that you're actually multimillionaires, but you're sitting broke right now? I didn't know I was called to be a lion in the jungle and to roar against the enemy and to do what we can do. But because of this moment, God made sure that seed spoke when I came to the gate, the enemy couldn't keep it shut. The gates of hell could not prevail. And that's what opened the gate. And God has blessed us forever. It's been speaking over and over and over again for us. Stop withholding your seed. It's not for me, it's for you. God will find some way else to bless us if you don't. But he's, I'm looking at you and I'm saying, are you going to remain a sheep and follow everybody else or are you going to follow God? It's your new season. Father, I pray a blessing upon your people. I pray a blessing upon their seed. I pray that they'll be obedient to you. I pray that you'll raise them up in the season. I pray that they'll reconnect to this vision and be reminded that their lives matter before you. I'm asking for a fresh anointing to come from the sons and daughters. Bless them profusely as they sow into this vision, as they sow into your vision. I pray that you bless them abundantly. A hundredfold blessing. I speak upon you and your destiny. The Lord bless you and keep you. We love you. My time is up. I've got to go. But from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, you're rising up and you're sitting down. You cannot die before your time. You are connected to a heavenly vision. And the purposes of heaven will prevail. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.